0: This is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. Are you happy to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. Amen. We, uh, I know, I know, you know, we, we prepared ourselves this week because anytime it gets cold and rainy, Houston freaks out. Amen, and it's like the apocalypse. Um, so thank you for for being here this morning. And if you chose not to be here because it was too cold, I, I don't I don't even have I don't have sympathy. Like it's just cold. Okay, tonight tonight's gonna get a little icy. It's gonna get a little crazy. But right now um, we're good. Amen. So if you're at home and you're like, oh, I'm not going to watch anymore because of what Pastor just said, Uh, (laughs) God bless you. If you have another reason that you didn't come this morning, thank you for watching online. Uh, We love you, and we hope to see you next Sunday. Amen. Today is a a special day. Amen. I hope that you told your spouse, happy Valentine's Day. If you didn't, now's the time to do it. (laughs) Uh, If you have a boo, you know, that's... You you, uh, let her feel special. Um, And if you don't have a boo, well then praise God you get to save money. Amen. It's all good. Count it a blessing, Paul says. Count it all joy. Uh, Before we get into the message, um, again, friends and family service next week. And then at the end of this month, we're going to bring back uh, evangelist Tim McCain. He's going to be with us. And uh, he's Amen. He's talking about he, he wrote a new book on on uh, on depression, a very, very serious, uh, uh, a very serious thing that often doesn't get talked about in the church. And uh, so he's going to come. He's going to share a, a word with us. Um, but in the, in the light of, of today, I wanted to bring a message on not love, because I think that's been I've done I've done love messages many times on Valentine's Day. Um, love is good. Danny brought an awesome message this morning on, on love, on agape love. And it's the highest commandment, amen? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But today I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about the union that was created by God in the beginning. That's the union of marriage. And you might be here like, oh man, I'm not married. Hold on, you stick with me, okay? Stick with me, pay attention. This this is probably going to be the only time that I'm going to talk about it this year, okay? But... We're gonna we're gonna go back to Genesis this morning, and uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get a little theological today. I hope you don't mind. Amen. Genesis chapter two. And Lena, awesome job picking up that offering and. And reminding us this morning that it's, it's not just about, it's not just a, a part in the service, it's, it's an act of our worship. That is exact when you said, I'm glad that, that we do this as a part of the praise and worship, that is because that is exactly what it is. It is a part of our praise and worship. So thank you for, uh, for reminding us of, uh, of that this morning. Genesis 2, 18. <sighs> We're going to read through 24. Amen. You have it. And I have it up here and it says this, it says, then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God has formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused uh, a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up it in its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Now, this next part isn't really a part of this of the sermon, but I'm going to read it because it's good. Adam said, now this is the bone from my bone and the flesh from my flesh. She will be named woman because she was taken from her man. And this is where Moses makes the connection when he's writing Genesis. He makes a connection from creation to the union known as marriage. He says, for this reason, a man will leave behind his father and his mother and he will cleave to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I I thank you, my God, for this word that you have spoken, Father. I pray that you allow us to, to be in tune this morning to your Holy Spirit and to your word, my God, to whatever it is that you have uh, for your church here this morning. Father God, we, we give you honor through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the creation account um, of, of man and woman, the creation of man and woman, it, it reveals a lot about the purpose um, of the man to the woman and of the woman to, to the man. This, this purpose is often glossed over in marriage. Marriage today, like many things, has been tainted since since the fall of man. And in in our culture, it has become something like uh, something of volatility. It's, it's it's a volatile thing, right? Sometimes people make bets on on how long a couple is going to stay married because it's 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 a hit or miss sometimes, and it's easy to see that in our culture, in our day. Marriages are not built to last, and um, in some ways, I think that marriage is no longer viewed as as sacred. Right? It's not. It's it's more viewed as a as a commitment, but a commitment that can be broken with the right attorney and with the right cooperation between the parties. It's become diluted. And see, God. I want you to know something about God? God originally creates the good that man later corrupts by creating ways out of the good. And so marriage was God's good, but sin birthed a way to exit that which God had called good. God never created divorce. God created marriage. Men created a way out of the marriage through divorce. And it said that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And, you know, the reality is, you can make a case for divorce sometimes. Sometimes divorce is the only way out of a bad situation. If, if you're in a, an abusive relationship, you need to protect your family. You need to protect yourself. You need to protect your children. The Bible speaks of allowing divorce in the case of abandonment, sexual immorality. But even then, any justification of divorce, it comes from man's inability to uphold God's Goodness. My, you sit with me this morning? This is a touchy subject. I know it's a touchy subject. They're like, Pastor Ryan, don't go there. And the sad thing is, church, is, is those divorce rates that we just spoke about, they don't look much better in the church. You, you would think that they would. You know what, When it comes to, to what should be the sanctity of marriage, the church, the bride of Christ, those who should set the example to the rest of the world, We're not performing much better in the area of marriage, and we know the goodness of God unlike the world does. So what needs to happen? We need to bring good back to marriage. Ah, you hear me? We need to bring good, good back to marriage. How do we bring good back to marriage? By bringing God into the marriage. Now, here's the thing, okay? That's a lot harder to do without the right kind of help. Someone say help this morning. You need a helpmate. Yes, my sister. You need a helpmate in your marriage. It's so important for believers to help each other in their walk, right? That's why the church one of the primary reasons the church exists so that we can we can help others in our faith. But but the relationship in a marriage is much deeper than the relationship between say a man and his pastor. See, as a pastor, I will I will I will help you by giving you word, by encouraging you, by correcting what I believe needs to be corrected, by shepherding the church into a deeper understanding of the word of God. That is is our job as, as pastors. But I can't help you where you spend the majority of your time, which is at your home. That's why God gave the man a woman, and the woman had the man. My wife is to help me in my walk, I am to help her in hers. God said, I will make the man a helper. I will make the man a helper. Okay, so the title of my sermon this morning, ladies, don't get offended. I promise I'm going to explain myself. But the title of my sermon is The Help. (laughs) The Help. Okay. I know that sounds derogatory. Um, and later, ladies are like, "I know he didn't just. Uh, I know he didn't just do that. He just called me the help." What I want to do this morning is I, I want to redeem this idea that the woman is just the helper to the man, okay? Um, because th- there's more to this than we think. Okay, people have this misconception that the wife is just supposed to be subservient to the husband and everything the husband says the wife must do, and like, "Hey, baby, I need a sandwich. Okay, coming right up. Yes, sir." That's <laughs> <laughs> look it's on these ground I've, I've heard people say before i've heard people accuse god of being misogynistic because he had the woman as the helper people people think that that this is a bad thing like for example i'll give you an example you know, i used to work for my uncle um y'all know my my, my painting my painting days. He had a painting business. I was like 18, 19 years old and I needed some money and my uncle paid better than Starbucks. So I, I quit Starbucks and I went to work for my, for my deal. And, and we would drive to these, uh, job sites at seven in the morning. We would get there every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday. And we would, we would paint these facilities. Sometimes it was like a restaurant. Sometimes it, it was a, you know, we would do a school, we would do UPS facilities, stuff like that. And and so we would we would get there and then we would line up all the workers and um, oftentimes my cousin he was kind of the foreman, Vic. He would uh, he would tell everybody what they needed to do for the day, and so he would say, okay, you uh, you're gonna paint this wall over here. You're gonna do the tape and float. You're gonna do the prep work. And I was always like like the floater, right? Like. That's, that's what I like to think of myself, because I, I was versatile, right? Sometimes I would, I would, you know, sweep. Sometimes I would, you know, pick up the trash, you know. Um, yeah, I'd I carry the ladder for some people. I did it all, right? Um, and then the thing, when, when, they, when they gave me my assignment, they, they would make it sound like, like so important. Like they would, tell, they would say, Ryan, we're trying to go fast. We've got to meet a deadline. The, the, the speed at which we can do that depends on how quickly you can move the ladder for me. So I'm like, sir, yes, sir, I got you. We're going to meet that deadline, my brother. <laughs> and finally, what my, my cousin, Bobby, Bobby, is, he's, he was a little bit older than, than, than I was. Um, but, you know, we would work really closely together and we were always mean to each other. You know, we pick on each other. And one day, you know, I was kind of annoying him. And, and, and he tells me straight up, he said, you know what, Ryan, my dad hired you to be the helper. <laughs> Just like that. He said he hired you to be the help. So I know it's it's a little offensive, all right? I was a little like, dang, bro, that's messed up, right? (laughs) At least let me believe that I'm here for a higher purpose. Um, So so, so God, he refers to the woman as the helper. But the Hebrew word, I want you to get this, and if you're taking notes, write this down. The Hebrew word for help or helper is Azer. It's spelled E-Z-E-R. It means... You thought it was going to mean something something more profound. (laughs) You thought it was going to have a deeper meaning. No, it means help. Help in the Hebrew means help. And so he created the woman to be the helper of the man. Here's how I know that that is not an inferior role, though. God refers to himself as Israel's helper. Exodus 18.4, the God of my father was my help. And delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Deuteronomy 33, 7. Oh, hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah, and be a help against his adversaries. Deuteronomy 33, 26. There is none like God who rides through the heavens to your help. Psalm thirty-three twenty. Our soul waits for the help of the Lord. And many more. You know who else is referred to as, as the helper in the New Testament? The Holy Spirit. John 15, 26, I will send you the helper from the father. The helper is a spirit of truth who comes from the father. When he comes, he will tell you about me. So don't think that this is a lesser role than the man. Why is God our help? Because we are weak on our own. So notice that verse 18, God says, it is not good that the man should be alone. What did he say? It is not good. It is what? I, 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 need you, I, need you to, I need you to focus this morning. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm asking. It is not good that the man should be alone. Listen, look. When God created light, the Bible says he saw the light and he called it good. When God created the seas, the Bible says that he saw the seas and he called it good. He created the vegetation, the plants, the fruit. He saw that it was good. God created the cosmos, the sun, the star, the moon. He saw that it was good. He created the animals and the sea, the field, the air. He saw that it was good. All that God had made, he called good because it reflected his good character. But for the first time in, in, in the creation account, God looks at what is actually supposed to be the image of God and he recognizes that something is not good. Something is not good. In this good and perfect world, there is something not good. It is not good for man to be alone. Now, you might say, how was Adam alone? Right? Because he had the presence of God. He was busy. God gave him this enormous assignment. All the animals that would come to you, I want you to, to name them all. And so Adam, in a sense, he wasn't alone. So so why did God say it is not good for man to be alone? To answer that question, you have to look at the rest of creation. Okay, God. See, see, God created the waters And then he created the creatures To inhabit the water Now it's complete God created the dry land And then he created the plants He created the animals To complete the dry land God created the heavens And then he created the sun, the stars, the moon The, the, the planets, the galaxies They were complete God created the man And then there was still something missing It wasn't complete He was alone. So it wasn't that Eve was created to just help around the garden. It wasn't that Eve was just there to to make, you know, breakfast for, for Adam. Eve was created to help complete the goodness of God's creation in humanity. If your spouse is in the room, tell him, you complete me, babe, you complete me. The completion of God's creation, it glorifies God. It glorifies God. When when the creation is complete, it glorifies God because you know why? Uh, one creation complements the other. And so so when you look up at, at the sky during the day and you feel the warmth of the sun and you can look out to the vastness of the cosmos, you're reminded of God. But then when that same sun goes down and you can't see the sky as well, the moon pops up, the stars come out and, and, and because they complement each other, you can still glorify God. The heavens still glorify God day or night. I can walk outside and I can't see the beauty of, of, of the mountains that exist in other parts of the world, but I can go outside and I can feel the breeze and I can, I can see the, the vegetation and the trees and the grass and I can still sense God's beauty and creation because it's there. All of creation is meant to glorify God, but the man is not complete without the woman, and the woman is not complete without the man. And so, and so when, the, when the two come together to form the completed work of God, who said, remember, God said, let us make man in our image. He didn't say, let me make man in my image. There's a plurality there. There is a companionship there. There is a helping. And so God creating Eve also completes the image that we are in God as the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I don't know if you're getting this this morning. When you think of it like this, you realize that it's not just that the woman helps the man. The man also helps the woman. We help each other. You don't get married so that you can have the other one do things for you. I used to think I used to almost can't wait to have kids so that they could do stuff for me. <laughs> maybe you thought, man, I can't wait to get married so that she could do stuff for me, so she can cook for me, so she can clean. Maybe maybe you, uh, if if you're a if you're a woman, I can't wait to get married. And I'm gonna make sure he's got money, <laughs> so I ain't gotta work. We, didn't get, we don't get married for ourselves. We, we get married to help each other. How can I serve you? How can you serve How can we serve each other? <clears throat> that's the image of God. That's the, that's the image of God, and it's reflected in the Trinity. that plurality, that companionship. In the beginning, it was God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image, but if, if we create just the man, well, that's he's alone, he has no companion. We have to complete it to, to complete the image of us. And so he takes from the very flesh of man and he creates the woman. We're here to help each other. You know, any time... I'm at home and I'm not feeling my best I'm feeling less than my best I'm weak and I'm vulnerable and I'm feeling stressed out and man guys you probably know what I'm talking about you go home sometimes and and no one else no other none of the other fellows know what you're going through because you gotta you gotta be strong can't let can't let other guys see you cry I'm straight you good bro I'm straight yeah I'm solid you get home (laughs) You get home, it's a different story. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the type to, to, to be so quick to show emotion, but sometimes, you know, when I'm facing a personal battle, a spiritual battle, a mental battle, sometimes it's so overwhelming that I'm, I'm in front of my wife and I'm brought to tears in front of my wife because I feel comfortable there. And you know what? The beautiful thing is, when I start to cry, she starts to cry. She's not even feeling... What I'm feeling directly, it's not even, it's not even hurting her in the same way that it's hurting me, but she begins to cry because what hurts me hurts her because we are one body. We're one flesh and she'll encourage me with her words and sometimes she has no idea what to say. Sometimes there isn't anything to say, but her very presence, just, just her being there, it soothes me and sometimes she holds my hand And that's always awkward because we're not, we're not touchy-feely at all. We don't go out and hold hands. We, we just don't do it. We love each other, babe. I love you. And, and we're just not the type to show affection in public. PDA, that's not our thing. And so, you know, you can imagine the awkwardness of Layla when on the rare occasions we, you know, we hug or we go in for a kiss. Layla's like, what is this? You know? <laughs> but when I need it, she'll put her hand right there on mine and she's like, babe, it's going to be all right. When I'm in those situations, I need my woman. And my woman steps up. Amen. And likewise, when she needs her man, babe, you already know. You already know. Because she's my helper, but I'm also her helper. And I might not solve every problem that she brings to me, but I'm, I'm going to do my best to help her because helping her is helping me. We are one flesh. And so... As I I said this earlier, the church needs to remember. We need to remember why God created the union of marriage so that we can exercise the purpose. We were created to help each other glorify God. That's the purpose of marriage. We help each other. We complement each other just like in the the same way that the sun complements the moon and and one star complements the other star to, to, to give all the glory to God. That is, that is my role as a husband. That is her role as, as a wife. We glorify God together. We help each other glorify God. Sometimes, church, sometimes we do the opposite. Right, now, now, now this sermon is going to take a dark turn. <laughs> sometimes sometimes we, we help each other not glorify God. Sometimes we help each other do the opposite of what God had created us to do. And so I read from Genesis chapter two, the creation of man and woman. But we all know what happens in Genesis chapter three. That's the fall of man. That is where sin is introduced to the world. So, in Adam, you know, Adam and Eve, instead of helping each other bring glory to God, they help each other sinning. Adam fails to help his wife understand. The meaning of God's command. I want you to notice something. When you read, we're not going to read it all, but when you read the exchange between the serpent and and, and the woman, it's it's all right there. Genesis chapter 3, you can read it. When you read the exchange, the woman actually misquotes what God actually said to Adam. I don't know if you've ever caught that before. God said to Adam, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you do, you will die. The serpent asks Eve, did God really say you couldn't eat of any tree? First of all, that is not what God said at all. It was a deceptive question on its own. But Eve responds, she says, we can't, we cannot eat of, we can eat of any tree except for the one of uh, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Um, Because if we do, we're going to die. We also may not touch it. We also may not touch it. I don't know and there's, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of study that has gone into this this text. We don't know why she added that part. Maybe Adam, relaying the message to his wife, says, hey, baby, see that tree over there? God said we can't eat it. You know what? You know what? Don't even go over there, okay? Don't look at it. Don't touch it. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. That explanation might work. It, it seems reasonable. I, I, I don't know why she added the part, but it does tell us that and this is something that most scholars agree on. The serpent attacked Eve because she wasn't the one to receive the message from Adam, from, from, from God. She was the more vulnerable one. She didn't receive the message from God directly. Adam did. And so there's still room for Eve to be manipulated by the serpent. You have to remember, okay, Eve is so easily deceived because she doesn't even know what deception is yet. Have you thought about that? Like that—that's some of us were like, well, "Why? Why was she so easily deceived? Deception didn't exist yet. It was a perfect world. Sin hadn't been introduced to the world. She's not out there in the garden watching her back. You know, she doesn't have to worry about not trusting people. Oh, you can't trust people. People. Life is good. The world is perfect. She doesn't know the serpent has ill intent. And so when the serpent twists the words of God, she doesn't recognize right away that she's doing anything wrong. Maybe if the command God gave to Adam was clearly relayed to her, she would have been able to recognize that something was off. Something doesn't sound right. Let me, let me, let me, let me ask my husband about this one again, because something, some here is not really matching up. Adam Then do the greatest job, he fell to help his wife understand the word that God communicated to him. I was thinking about, you know, Layla, when she was younger, um, we would have this problem where she would go outside all the time without telling us. She would just go outside. Two or three years old, we would tell her repeatedly, don't go outside. And she would just go outside. (laughs) She would just do it. Um, And now, now Layla's gotten a lot better. If you notice... She'll she'll come to if all her friends are going outside, she'll come over and she'll say, Hey daddy, can can I go outside? Right. And she kind of does it like 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 discreetly, like she doesn't want she she feels like she's gonna be embarrassed. Everybody else is going outside. I have to ask my dad. Um but but man, praise God. I'm I'm glad that she's like that. And 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 she learned all of that um because she would she would go outside without our permission. Um the the, the time when she started listening to us, it was because Melissa had a, a conversation with her, and uh, it wasn't until we told her why, why we didn't want her to go outside. It wasn't until we communicated everything effectively to her that she stopped going outside without our permission. We painted this picture for her that we didn't want to paint uh, to her, but we wish she just obeyed us, but she didn't. So Melissa finally says, Layla, if you go outside, someone's going to take you. <laughs> someone's going to take you, and we're never going to see you again. And I told her, if you go outside, you can, you're can. you going to get smushed. You're going to get smushed by a car. You know those little, I can't remember what they're called, but you see like on the streets, you see those little black things. I don't, I don't know. They're like tar or something like that. Um, so when Layla was two years old, I told her, I, I, I brought her over to, to one of those little tar sections. I said, you see this? This used to be little Tommy. <laughs> he went outside and he got smushed and he, this is what he became. Is that what you want to do? we had to scare her. That's a scare tactics, man. But we communicated, we got through to her, like, you do not go outside. I don't care who it is telling you, let's go outside, Layla, I don't care. If it's a grown-up, I don't care. I don't care. Don't go outside without us knowing about it. We, we need to keep our eye on you. And I, I promise, she's she's got it. <laughs> she doesn't want to become like little Tommy. <laughs> She never went outside again without her permission. Adam told Eve what God said, but apparently he didn't do a good enough job helping her understand. He failed his helpmate. And so when she gets the opportunity, she easily disregards the word of God passed down to her by her husband and she takes her the fruit. She falls. And then and then we see the next part, and this is, this is where sin is really introduced to the world. Adam and Eve didn't know that they were naked until, until Adam takes of it, until Eve helps her husband fall. The Bible says, and she gave some to her husband who was with her. The man who was supposed to help his woman honor God, the way that the sun helps the moon honor God, the woman who was created to be the help uh, to to, to the man to honor God, they both helped each other dishonor God in this moment. They helped each other sin. And when we get to a place, church, where our marriage isn't serving its God-given purpose, our God-designed purpose, we fall into this danger of dishonoring God, which can lead to a relationship in which God is no longer a part of, which means that our marriage is hanging on by mere human force. And we know that that's not always enough. And so when it gets to the breaking point, many times the marriage ends in divorce because humans are easily breakable. But when God is at the center When God is at the core, what God, you know, when God is, is what brings us and what keeps us together. When I help my wife honor God and she helps me honor God, we set ourselves up for a marriage that's going to go the distance. Because what God has joined together, let no man separate. And maybe, maybe you can't say that. Maybe you can't say amen this morning because you're not married. But what needs to happen right now is you need to you need to begin living a life that honors God. Everything that you do, my life is going to honor God and have a worship team come out so that when you get to that point where someone wants to enter your circle or you want to enter someone's circle. You have you have some demands. I need you to help me honor God. And I'm going to help you honor God. Because if we can't make that commitment together, I don't know if we're going to be able to go the distance. God needs to be at the center because that is why he created the man and the woman. That is why he formed the union of marriage and I want to honor that all the days of my life, all the days of my marriage. Does anybody say amen? Married couples. Do you say amen this morning? I'm going to have you stand. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.